0: Hello and welcome to the Tech Dirt Podcast. I'm Mike Masnick.
1: The world is increasingly technological, so we have better get methodical. Bringing precision to critical digital journalism with the singular vision of the modern monocle. Stopping the copyright police from pulling the wool on us. Painting and taking on all the plates we pay control. Document the ways that they aim to take control. Scrutinize and do their lies and make them fold. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get hurt.
0: 20 years ago in February of 1996, President Clinton signed into law the Telecommunications Act of 1996, which included a variety of things, some that turned out to be very good, some that turned out to be very very bad. Um, in response to the signing of this law, John Perry Barlow, the well-known Grateful Dead lyricist and also co-founder of the Electronic Frontier Foundation, uh, penned his famous Declaration of Independence of Cyberspace, though he now admits that he wrote it uh, in between drinks and dancing at a party, typing away at a bar, so it wasn't quite as well thought out as some people thought at the time. But that document is now quite well known and includes a a bunch of really great lines. Um, But the third paragraph is one I want to sort of pay attention to today, and it reads that governments derive their just powers from the consent of the governed you have neither solicited nor received ours. We did not invite you, you do not know us, nor do you know our world. Cyberspace does not lie within your borders. Do not think that you can build it as though it were a public construction project. You cannot. It is an act of nature and it grows itself through our collective actions." that line in the middle of that paragraph about cyberspace not being within traditional borders was, I think, very prescient. One of the biggest things that we've seen over the years is that Where internet and regulators get really, really messed up tends to be around questions of jurisdiction and what regulations apply and where. The internet has no borders. Data flows most freely around the globe at the click of a mouse or a swipe of your finger on a mobile device. But that couldn't last entirely uh, like that in an open setup. Governments and corporations and individuals with varying degrees of success have tried to reach out into the Internet and draw more traditional geographic boundaries throughout it. That's why we see ridiculous things like geo-blocked content where you go to view a video or buy an e-book and are suddenly told, we're sorry, but this content is not available in your country or something like that. To almost everyone, upon encountering such a message, this seems really ridiculous. Uh, it's an artifact of old real-world legacies trying to deal with the modern internet that has no borders. And it's not just content restrictions. We've talked in the past about questions on intermediary liability and whose laws should apply. There's a big issue right now with the so-called right to be forgotten in Europe, where France has declared that Google must block links on certain searches globally and outright rejected the company's implementation that only blocks those links in Europe. Uh, There's a case in Canada that came to a similar conclusion, stretching out beyond their geographical borders into the Internet and saying things must apply globally. Similarly, we've seen a rise of so-called libel tourism in which angry people use the global nature of the Internet to claim defamation in countries with much more plaintiff-friendly defamation regulations just to attack people where they can. The UK used to be a prime target for this kind of activity, and these days Australia seems to be a go-to destination as well. Then, of course, we also have some examples where regional restrictions are actually having a, a strong impact. The internet in China is extremely different than elsewhere because they've been somewhat successful, for better or for worse, in building, uh, being able to wall off large parts of the wider internet. There are indications that Russia is moving in this general direction as well. So, today on the podcast with our usual co-hosts, Dennis Yang and Hirsch Reddy, I wanted to discuss whether we're losing the global nature of the internet, and if John Perry Barlow's declaration of a borderless internet is going the way of floppy disk drives and the blink tag on websites. So, what do we think? Is, Is the internet still a global thing where borders don't matter, or have the governments and corporations of the world reached out and been able to redraw borders into cyberspace? I think it
2: really depends on what kind of devices uh, people are using to get on the Internet, right? Uh, There's one thing you didn't mention, which is the fact that if you're on a walled garden device, uh-huh. um, it's not really possible for you to go and install well, applications that let you. Yes get and no, out
0: right? There. But I mean, the, there's fewer. There's two two responses to that, right? So there's fewer and fewer devices that are really truly walled off gardens, right? I mean, most devices these days are either you know Apple iOS devices mm-hmm. or Android device, devices, which are while controlled platforms pretty open for the most part and both of them have browsers right so so yes you could limit apps but but for the most part you know the wider internet then is still available through the browser right on both those platforms i
2: don't i don't necessarily think that's true like let, let me just give you one example which is which is i think timely which is let's say Uh, The U.S. government says that every app in the app store has to have um, some kind of a backdoor for the FBI so that encryption in those apps uh, can be um, monitored, essentially. Right, right? right. So somebody uh, makes an iOS program and they're sitting in New Zealand uh, that just doesn't give the FBI that backdoor. Then you would not be able to install that app onto yeah, your iOS but I, device. I mean, You'd have that, to do that, some kind of...
0: Yeah, come on. I mean, that's, that's a hypothetical situation that, sure, maybe in, you know, the FBI would love that, but what is the likelihood of that actually happening? Right. I mean, I don't think that's happening.
2: I, I think it's 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 certainly possible. I mean, the, 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 you listen to what the House and the Senate yeah, are saying yeah, these days. Yeah, I mean, no,
0: I mean, but the, I mean, that's getting into a different debate. Right. I mean, well, the debate well, about encryption, just, but I, I don't like right now, today, that's that's not the case. Right. I mean, anyone anywhere can basically write an app and get it into an app store.
2: I, even even okay. Let's let okay. So let let's think about what we were talking about originally, right? Okay. So this you have to agree is the case now. Let's say I want to make an app. I'm sitting in um, some country in whose jurisdiction the copyright laws are a little bit more lax than the United States. Sure. In other words, let's say copyright uh, goes off in. Twenty years, okay, right? Which used to be considered reasonable. <laughs> uh, so let, 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 let's or let's say thirty years, right? Twenty-eight years was let's, the standard yeah, for all Okay, while, twenty-eight so let's, years. Okay. Stick with that. Let's say twenty-eight years. Okay, okay? and then uh, so
0: he. I don't write, think there's anywhere in the world. So he writes. Twenty-eight he, he years. Cre- but,
2: okay. he, he creates a, a service that serves up all these movies that are from thirty years ago. Right. Perfectly legal in this country. Now somebody wants to install that app. Do you think the Apple app, the, this App Store is going to accept his app?
0: Uh, I mean that's a fair point. No, because no. right. Uh, well,
2: and not only that. Let's say that he wanted. To, he has a billing system where he bills for that. Right. They wouldn't allow him to bill uh, subscriptions to that to that to that uh, to that store of his or whatever you want to call it. The movie website. Uh, Apple would not allow him to have an app that allows him to charge people. It would have well, to go through I Apple's mean, payment system. And Apple would take a cut. Right. But in this okay, case, so, the cut so, wouldn't so, be the issue. So, your, just for the so, so that. your
0: argument is that, that the, America's laws n- now, reach now, out. Now that, yeah, well, that's true. But now, now that we have the app stores, the app stores become the middlemen. And so, basically, Google and Apple are effectively enforcing borders in cyberspace, or at the very least, enforcing U.S. law globally. Yes. So. So the borderless nature, you know, if it's borderless at all, it's only borderless in the sense that it's the US law. Yeah, laws. exactly. US or US or
1: nothing. Yeah. It's US or nothing. And I mean
0: w- when it comes to copyright, I think you're that's absolutely true. I mean basically we've reached a point where US copyright law is dominates. Law. Mike, it's
2: not just copyright though. I just gave you the okay. easy example. Let's let me give you another one. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's say uh, Bitcoin gets a lot more popular than it is now. Okay. Right? And people have this app on their phone that acts as both your Bitcoin um, 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 vault, essentially, or your Bitcoin address, yep. wallet, and, yeah. and and a wallet, I guess that's the term. And then it also acts as uh, um, essentially uh, your local copy of the transactions, all the transactions. I don't know if a mobile device is big enough actually to hold the whole transaction ledger. It's probably not the whole blockchain. Yeah. Can let's just let's just say it's a it's a wallet. It's a wallet. Okay. But it's but it's a wallet that for whatever reason you can scan a debit card. Or a gift card uh-huh. and it will take that balance and p- put it into Bitcoin, let's say, on your phone somehow. Okay? Okay. And in that case, you can put any size, let's say, gift card. Like, oh, you could put in like ten $1, hundred dollar ones, you can put a $1, thousand hundred dollar $1, ones and have a hundred thousand dollars in Bitcoin, right? Untracked essentially, right? Okay. Uh and that's something you can't do in the United States. The United States does not allow you through any of these uh, so-called you know legitimate uh, bitcoin um, intermediaries like coinbase or whatever you can't just make a hundred thousand dollar deposit and then just put it into bitcoins right they they need to go through certain procedures and, and inform the, the government the follow the money yeah, yeah, and, follow the money and 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 know your customer, customer exactly yeah. and yeah. you can't just make these transactions that send bitcoin Key wherever you want right? right so you can't that app would also be illegal right and you would you wouldn't be able to get it through in the app store or if you did, it would be for a very short period of time. And the uh, Treasury Department or you know State Department, somebody would come after you, right? Would come after Apple and say, "Get rid of this phone. It can be used for terrorism or it could be used for drug smuggling." Actually, and it, to be completely honest, it would be used for that, and apart from other legitimate things. Sure. Um, I'll give you another example. Let's say in, in Greece right now, right? Like if you, a lot of the citizens are nervous about having euros in yep. bank accounts because they say that if Greece splits off from the european union that those euros will be converted into uh greek drachmas or whatever right and they don't want that they want to keep their euros but they won't be given a choice so people are saying like why don't we take our money out and put it into bitcoin but apparently there's a there's a maximum amount of money you can take out uh at least when there was uh, the possibility of an exit that was Mm -hmm. the case maybe it's been relaxed now uh and in those cases uh if you make an app that essentially lets you take Greek cash, uh, euros essentially, and just buy Bitcoins that are not monitored by the Greek state, do you think the Greek state's going to be okay with that? <laughs> and depending on how, how much arm twisting the European Union wants to do in order to, you know, uh, but, but, give respect to the Greeks, it, it's possible that Google and Apple would, you know, accede to that as well and be like, okay, we're not going to allow this app. I mean, there's so many... Different ways. As long as a state can reach out, they'll reach out for everything
0: that they want. Right, but but there is a question of how much of that will they actually be able to do. And certainly, you know, with many of those examples, while there are limits, there also have been ways that people are able to get around most of them, right?
2: Not 99% of people. You're right, the 1% <laughs> that build their own PCs and know how to attach a scanner with a webcam and all, all this other stuff. But does, they, it,
0: does it necessarily stay at that 1%? Or, or could, could that expand? W- Right. I mean, like you go like if you talk to, to people in China now, like a lot of them talk about having VPNs or whatever, because they know they need to get out of the, the walled garden version of, of the Chinese. Internet. You are talking to some sophisticated so, right, Chinese. Right. I know. And I'm not I'm not saying that that's the majority of Chinese. But I think when they're in a situation where it's locked down so much, it's not, you know, it's not 50 percent, but it's not 1 percent either.
2: I don't really know if if that's true, Mike. I I really think it could be as small as 1%, especially in China. And the reason is is because for things like Bitcoin and especially bypassing censorship in China, there could be very Uh real consequences. Sure. And who's going to take those kinds of risks? Like, for example, who's going to take the risk of having a an illegal radio in North Korea. It's a very simple <laughs> thing, actually, right? But it carries a death penalty. Yeah, so it's a,
0: that, I mean that's a no. That's that's, a, that's a crazy example. But in China,
2: look, trust me, dude. If you access a <laughs> weblog that has criticism about, about the communist government, yeah. that is not a fact that you that you want. If you have any kind of a small business or something like that, you, you don't, that's not a risk you want. You don't get involved because uh, that's a real risk that's a real risk doing criticism that and being labeled as somebody who's criticized the government okay so
0: you wouldn't want to do so, that so so you're basically saying that that the, the John Perry Barlow argument is dead that there there are borders yeah. in on the internet and, and the mobile network and basically those are driven by a combination of, of governments and corporations. Okay. So
2: it's not dead in the sense that there is, if you aggregate these small populations across all the countries, uh-huh. and, and there are rather big ones in liberal Western democracies, uh, you, you still have a global community. Uh, and in the future, I think if the internet gets more and more crazy, what will essentially happen is people will either label uh, layer on top of it things like Tor or other kinds of mesh nets and dark nets, um, when I say meshnets and darknets, I mean mesh. When I say meshnets and darknets, I mean internets that don't even use existing infrastructure. Sure. Use some kind of peer-to-peer meshing. That kind of stuff will become more popular, but not for the types of, uh, not for the types of applications. That the rest of the population will be enjoying on the main internet, it'll be more like imagine going back in time to like nineteen nineties bulletin boards in nineteen eighties bulletin boards. You just have boards. small groups, small groups, but it'll be free information. It'll be using mm-hmm. different kind of technology. It'll be something that the states really cannot block or monitor, uh, but it'll be with special devices like Raspberry Pis or something like that. Something like that, uh, and it'll be essentially it'll be like home kit stuff. It'll you know it'll be a very small community uh relative to the population but it'll be a large community when you think of it in a global sense so I, th- I think i think that's a possibility but i don't know how interesting that is for a discussion it's kind of like what <laughs> what can those kind of people do other than perhaps do some like bitcoin ha- having essentially doing a lot of illegal trade and let's say narcotics or whatever i mean they can't do a whole lot of stuff maybe uh cribbing in the sidelines about how they can you know you can bypass this or that uh censorship but at the end of the day, them doing stuff is not going to make any kind of a political dis- difference. You need a huge open internet, right, For in order to
1: have the kinds of... of I mean, what what is it that Barlow wants? What was his Utopian well, vision his, uh, for, for this internet?
0: I, I mean, his vision was that it's... You know, completely removed from from the laws right. of of the physical world, and that, and and obviously as, as most, a group, most... the people on the internet would sort of set new standards and yeah. and new ways
1: of doing things, and that's completely opposite to what most governments would want.
0: Yes. Oh, absolutely. Right.
1: So, and that's why, that's why it's, <laughs> it's 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 moved
0: away from that. Now, you yeah. know, most recently, you know, Barlow pointed out that, like, you know, depending on how you read the tone of of that original piece that what he really meant was that this was the ideal and that we needed to continue to sort of fight for this ideal and yeah, I mean, recognize that there are challenges to that ideal.
1: And maybe that's what I, I would read that that quote, right? Which uh-huh. is like, this is what's possible. You know, obviously the realities of the world aren't, you know, we're not going to have this right away. And even you would even say, I would even say in the beginning days of the early internet, mm-hmm. you know, his vision of, of free information without borders didn't exist because only a sm- very small proportion of the in, of the world's population was even even on the internet and content right? and con- and a small percentage of that content was even even accessible. So, right, I mean, you know, it, it'd be hard to kind of measure like, is there more free information actually being transported now in the dark nets and the VPNs than there was before when there there were no kind of government standards or government. Interference. For are, example. You,
2: are you saying, are those, so is, is Tor as big now as the internet was in the 1980s? Yeah, I don't know. I it don't, probably is.
0: Right? I don't know. That's a, that's a good question. How many people probably. are using that?
2: The internet yeah. was pretty tiny in the 80s, and yeah. Tor is still pretty tiny, but it's still say, pretty
1: tiny. But yeah, is it bigger than. Yeah. You know, so, so let me. Al, alternate or Darknet? Yeah. You
0: know. No, that's, that's actually an interesting question. I, I don't know. I mean, it's sort of, it's probably worth comparing. How big is trying Tor? to find out. We can ask Alexa. Uh, and and find out but um, um, so but just to sort of jump on a different point that I brought up in the opening you know you sort of mentioned to some extent a lot of what we are seeing is that um, you know certain countries laws are sort of taking precedence and in a lot of cases the US laws are applying to global internet Um, that's certainly true in the copyright space not necessarily true in other areas yet um, but then we have the situation where you have like France demanding Google censor the internet globally. That concerns me because I start to wonder where does that, that stop, right? I mean, once you allow that, then any country can make a claim and say that they, yeah. you know, they have effective control over more. And Google's not internet. doing it though, right? So. well, it's it's a, a legal battle right now. So they, yeah. they, as we're recording this, they were recently fined uh, and the company said that they're planning to appeal. I don't know quite how long that process takes. Could they just uh, leave France? That's one argument that people have made. You know, I mean, Google does has set a sort of minor precedent in this space where Spain passed a ridiculous copyright Yeah, yeah. Uh, law for basically saying that aggregating news and linking to news stories, you had to pay, and you couldn't. There was no way out of it. You literally had to pay, even if it was like people were happy with you linking to them, and so they shut down Google News in Spain. Yeah, um, which was a surprise because people always every time some country passes a ridiculous law to try and attack Google, people always say, Well they should just leave. And that's that's kind of that's the nuclear option in and a right. lot of Right. But, but they they, they can did. still
1: have Google News en español that happens to cover, you know, news from Spain, right? Just not Google News Spain.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I actually run it offshore,
1: not. and then yes. that's out of the jurisdiction, isn't it? Like, but,
0: but well, that's the question. Is it, right? So, I mean, the argument of the French regulators is that, no, it's not, right? So, originally, what Google did was they said, if you go to Google.fr, yep. or any of the Google EU-related right. top-level right. domains, that right. they would agree to censor, you know, not happily, they've registered their protest to this, but they've lost the, that legal battle, Yeah, um, that it was, you know, and so... The French regulator came back and said, "Not good enough." And then, so Google made an adjustment, which which they said was, "It won't just be for Google.fr; it'll be oh, Google if if we IPs, yeah. if we see, you know, that you're in France." Through a variety of means, even if you go leave Google, you know, we'll default you to Google FR, but you can obviously override that and go to Google.com. Yeah. If we see you do that, we still won't let you let those results come up. And the regulator said, not good enough. They've said, you know, you have to block this worldwide, even if that would, (laughs) you know, violate like, you know, U.S. concepts of freedom of expression.
1: Right. I
2: mean, if you really think about this, what, what this really is, it, it's not something unique to France, right? American sure. regulators do the same kind of thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Regulators are essentially used to making pronouncements and just being obeyed, <laughs> right? And, and it, it really angers them if, if their opinion is not held to be like the be-all and end-all. It has to be the word of God, essentially. That's, <laughs> that's the way it's, it's essentially seen. And if you look at bureaucrats everywhere in the world... I mean, that's 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 not unique to France. I mean, like, they used to be this saying about uh, the technocrats in, in Japan, like, they had so much power, they would determine where the bus stations and railway stations are, and, and that would really determine the success or failure of different kinds of uh, ent- entire merchant families of, like, uh, whether or not their grocery store or department store would succeed would be on mm-hmm. the, the whim of somebody who was a bureaucrat, and so those were very important people in society, and you be considered very happy if you had a son-in-law who was a bureaucrat, you know what I mean, <laughs> instead of a doctor or something like that. So it, so, you think about that, right? In a global economy, the bureaucrats basically, it's a fight to the bottom. They they have very little power because essentially citizens are able to choose, pick and choose which jurisdiction they want to have the laws applied to them. And obviously, they're going to choose the most liberal jurisdictions, right? Like, if everybody in the world could choose to live in Nevada's gambling laws and access Nevada gambling websites, actually, I don't even think that's correct, (laughs) because Nevada actually bans online gambling. But let's say some other place like, uh, I don't know, Barbados or something that's liberal about online gambling, right? Uh Everyone would be like, yes, because I want to sit in my pajamas at home and play a, a round of poker. and. And not have to, you know, work. Well, I, I mean, I don't saying? know if that's
0: true. I mean there are some people who who like being restricted from from gambling. Yeah, from, from gambling a lot of things. or or, or yeah. certain things. So yeah, there are but people do, who like living in, in the, societies or communities that are heavily regulated. No, but
2: Massine, you're not formulating the right. There's a lot of people <laughs> that like to restrict their neighbors. Because they think no, their neighbors no, are buffoons. No, no, I, I no. Nobody like, says I yes, don't want to make the choice for myself.
1: Absolutely, yeah, everyone wants to make the are, choice for you. No, we just are. got back from Utah. So. <laughs> yeah, but
2: that's where they want. Their, they want to make the choice for their neighbors. Nobody. No, everyone thinks for they, for they can behave themselves. Are you telling me, Laznick? Yeah. People, they,
1: people like to. Some people. Some people enjoy the regulation.
0: Yes, some people are perfectly are you happy. Saying, yes, you
2: yes. guys are saying it's a situation like a chocolate cake. I will not buy a chocolate <laughs> cake and bring it home because if I do, I'll eat the whole thing. So I just don't even want it in the house. That's what you're saying. Yes, yeah, and that's,
1: and that is a, an exact thing that I've heard people say. You
2: like, know, but I, I don't want it in the house. But do you think people right. behave like that when it comes to a game of poker? They don't even have to go yes. to the website. Uh, yes,
0: yes, wow. absolutely, absolutely, they do. Some people want to to have themselves restricted from that because they don't think that they can overcome the temptation, and so I think that's absolutely absolutely you know absolutely the case and so but but i think you're we're getting a little bit o- away from from the issue which is i still think you know what does this mean for the long run of the internet when you start to have well, different jurisdictions let me ask that you know? me ask
1: that question in a different way okay right? which is like so so france you know asked google to to do this thing whatever so uh-huh. why why is google even entertaining it if they don't if, I mean, if they have physical presence within France, I understand it, right? They do. Um, but if they're just like, okay, so now we don't need physical presence within Right, I mean, France. so, you know, like, for, so for example, it's, it's like, our, like like, like yeah.
0: Google does not have a physical presence, you know, within, like, Iran. So they don't have to worry about that right. kind of level of censorship in Iran. And they don't, Iran, right?
2: right? It's different with France because France has a lot of leverage in the European Union. Yeah, too, and, right? and
0: so these are large, you know, Western economies that they want to be a part of. And so, you know, and, and there's already the debate about like like China, right? And how yeah. involved should these countries these companies be in China, right? And so there was a period of time where Google moved all of its stuff out of China. Yep. And, you know, and more recently they sort of tiptoed their way back yeah. in.
1: And well, cuz they saw that it's a humongous market. It's a humongous market. And yeah.
0: Facebook is facing the same issue yeah. now in, try, in terms of trying to get into China. And so, you know, there are questions of, you know, how willing are you to to take on these things, but what do you do if you really want to be in the Chinese market, but they're demanding things and they're demanding things on a global level? The, that becomes scary, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, what if Google says, you know, the, the, uh, Google, if China says, you know, to Google and Facebook that you can be in, in here, but we don't want to see any negative stories about, about China, yeah. you know, in, anywhere, in, anywhere in the New York Times or... Yeah. And or, Google's
1: allowed to say no right
0: and 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 you know historically people would say like okay you know maybe they would expect that you know whether or not you think some people will say that this is clearly not acceptable but yeah. some people would probably accept okay well you'd live by china's rules in china but what if china then says no yeah. this has to be global which i can see china do, you could well, see if, china doing that especially if france, especially is, if doing france it, is doing yeah. it and canada's doing it why yeah, can't China? Like, hey do wait
1: that? that's that's a great idea I, we don't want anyone sure. reading about bad stuff about us that so, sounds awesome so then what happens Then they get to decide.
2: But you know, to be completely honest, nation states have lots of ways of leverage that are not even that are extra legal as well. So, for example, North Korea wasn't particularly pleased with that Sony movie that makes fun of uh, Kim Jong Il or whatever, and so they said. And so they hacked Sony. Essentially. So they I mean, said. So they said. You don't, think, you don't think you don't think it was North Korea? <laughs>
0: there are some questions about whether or not it was really North Korea. I guess you know. R- but
2: regardless, but regardless let's say it. it could happen, right? A state. Let's put it this way: sure. North Korea might not have the expertise to hack Sony, but China certainly does. Some
0: someone someone did. So yeah. clearly, someone had the expertise to do it. So so what I'm saying is that a nation state can
2: do a lot of stuff. Sure. Uh, to be completely honest, let's say but a nation. if yeah. a nation state gets pissed off at any other kind of private network, like, say, the Bitcoin network, a nation state could easily disrupt and destroy the Bitcoin network, right? They have their resources. They'll, they'll, they'll basically yeah. essentially make more than 50% of the mining capacity. Well, There's there the something
1: market. about the Chinese miners having more than
0: 50% right
2: now, yeah. but who knows? But that's Chinese private citizens, to be clear, not the government, Chinese government. Who knows? Right.
0: <laughs> um, so, but, so, so then, you know, it comes back to this question of what does it mean? I mean, do we, are we losing out on the promise of the internet when that happens? Of course. Is it, is I the, mean,
1: but, but the promise of the internet is this ideal and an ideal sure. doesn't exist necessarily in the real world, right? Yeah, so. but
0: what, uh, sure. And that's a, that's a really good point, but but what i guess part of my concern is then what are we missing out on right i mean it feels like when we move down this path that we end up with a lot of restrictions that that not just not just get away from the ideal but lower the the value and the overall impact sure, of but it's what not, the internet I, is I com- and
1: can do completely agree right mm-hmm. but these governments don't have these rules or there they, there isn't a Great firewall of china for no no reason, right there's a sure. reason why China has that. There's a reason why France is trying to regulate google right they They believe in a different ideal than it sounds like then then you know this this internet ideal is right sure their vision of the world is different, okay um, and I would say if your statement is that like if we don't if we kind of acquiesce to these needs of the the you know and wishes of these governments we won't have this vision of the world and i would say yeah and then the governments would be like sweet because we didn't want that vision right
0: right so then
1: what that's why we have like governments and discussions and <laughs> <laughs> compromise i i Masek, the the
2: the grateful dead vision of cyberspace <laughs> is is uh will
0: it, oh, I wouldn't it, call it the Grateful Dead vision of cyberspace. But okay, wait, we're, where we're is we're, the Grateful Dead vision? Because John Perry Barlow is a Grateful oh, yeah, Dead okay. lyricist, but he but, was just a lyricist for them. Okay. I mean, that's unfair. But he was, you know, he's not considered like a. Okay. You know, but it's it not. It bad. is not the view of the rest oh, of fine. the the band members. The
2: Barlow <laughs> vision of the cyberspace, or sure. the Neil Stephenson, or any of these guys, right? Sure. That vision of the of cyberspace. It's we're also talking about a a voting population right now for whom the internet is just sort of this like side thing and, okay. not, and not life. And I think the generation that's growing up right now, the internet is front and center. And it's, it's a bigger issue to them than, than, than it was to their parents or grandparents. Uh-huh. And so as they come to voting age and as the, you know, pardon the way I'm putting this, but as their parents and grandparents die, essentially <laughs> they're no longer voting because they're in the ground, the the mood uh. of politicians will change. I mean, come on. I, how else should they say this? As generations I, pass, I guess. I, I don't know. know as time moves on. <laughs> um, yeah, right. Basically, people die. So, <laughs> as as and as they do, the, the voting population will, will, in all these countries, not just the United States, but China as well, uh, will demand the things that they want. And if they are continued to be uh, continue to be educated about like what the advantages of um, a free internet are and i think they certainly perceive s- from youth what the advantages of more liberal copyright laws are then they will actually demand those things and i think sopa but, is just the yeah. the edge of the spear there i think as time goes on they'll get involved in more and more things and so, it, it'll be things like right to repair it'll be things like open mar- open app stores and things like that the uh, I think the perceived lack of interest of the buying population right now is really just an artifact of the fact that um most of the <laughs> buying population are kind of people our age and maybe a little bit younger and then mostly older right I mean mm-hmm. the p- the, the young teens and stuff like that but do
0: you do you at least think you know we talk about this younger generation if they grew up in a world where the internet is more limited and locked down and geographically restricted yeah. then is that the world they're just used to and they don't think about the sort of freedom whereas
1: I mean I think that the youth of today is growing up in a very different environment than like, we experienced right so right you know, I mean for
0: us the inter- I mean it's a, it's a horrible cliche and everyone overuses it but like the internet was sort of the wild west and, it was and and, you know, we were there early, and there was all sorts of freedom, and that was fun.
1: And kids today just use Snapchat,
0: right? So, okay, so if, if their
2: whole experience is the domesticated internet, what you're essentially <sighs> saying Domest. it becomes like, it becomes like TV 2.0, essentially, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, and they look at the internet through these app screens. That's certainly a and possibility. And app ecosystems yeah. and, and, and restricted I mean, firewalls, that's, right? So, I, re, I that's actually that's a great point, and, and <laughs> certainly it, it could go that way. But I think enough people still use PCs and. And, really? Maybe not. Maybe I, I, I especially I'm the
0: young, a, the younger generation.
2: Yeah, I, maybe I just I run in a different group that plays PC games. You're, you're, like you're going to be in five. the ground soon. Yeah, is nah, I, that's true. <laughs> I, I, this is very clear. Uh, you know, i Yeah, I could be wrong about do we, that.
0: Do we need to replace you with a younger co-host? You're, you really
2: should. You should at least you should be grooming one as an intern. He should be sitting on the seat and and then uh, so and that when the, we're we're dead, he yeah. can we'll just take we over. We know the show. we don't
0: have the millennial view <laughs> in uh, in well, our podcast.
2: I'm, to be clear, I'm not talking about the millennials. I'm talking about something younger gen-, gen z is what they're yeah, is that what they're called yeah. yeah gen z man millennials are a disappointment man can we delete that part <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, uh, that's going
0: to be the title of, of this the podcast night. Hirsch Hirsch ready says millennials. <laughs> right, delete that <laughs> it has
2: <to> be deleted
0: <laughs> i uh, know too many
2: millennials uh, uh, but but you know I, I thought they would be a lot more angry about certain things and they're angry about totally different things that I was yeah. like, what do you get? Well,
0: that's that, welcome. Welcome to generation gap. I mean, I know, I, that yeah. is, that is the way every generation yeah. gap works is you think, you think they're going to be angry about the same things that you were angry about and they, they pick totally different ones. And then you think that what they're angry about is incredibly stupid, but you know, that's and get off my lawn. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so, you know, and, and in this, digital world where we can draw new borders we can draw digital lawns and tell people to get off of them yeah, yeah. and so i think that's uh, <laughs> that's what we're ending with wow we're we're digital old men <laughs> yelling at people to get off our digital lawn well i don't know i i i'll just conclude on the point that i think i think that the idea of of empowering stuff through you know a more borderless internet that is not subject to regulations in that sense that doesn't mean no regulations at all but i i worry about tying geographic restrictions to a network that should be borderless in terms of data flows and so i'm still concerned about that and i think it's something worth watching and paying attention to
2: it'll be interesting to see how corporations react to this i'm really interested in seeing how how google handles the french lawsuit yeah I think this is a podcast that needs a part two and probably part three, to be honest. <laughs>
0: All right. Well, then we will re- re- revisit it again in the future. Uh, Hirsch, Dennis, thanks very much for joining us and everyone listening. Thanks again. And we'll be back next week with something else.
1: Bye.